0: Today we are finishing up our Christmas series, which is titled The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope. And as you know, the title is taken from a line in the song that we just sang a few minutes ago, O Holy Night. And it's a line that reads like this. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. not that great? And that reminds me of... The psalm that says that weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so uh, there's always that hope that uh, in the morning the joy is going to come. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That is the thrill of hope. And hope is thrilling. It is. Hope is thrilling. It's exciting. Because hope means that you haven't given up. If you have hope, you're saying, I haven't given up. And I'm not going to give up because I have hope. Hope means that you expect things to get better. If you're going through a rough patch in your life, you're expecting things to turn around. That's called hope. Hope helps you carry on when the circumstances say you should give up. Or when somebody else tells you, just give up on this. Give up on him. Give up on her. Give up on this thing. Give up on that. Hope helps you carry on. And the reason that we can have hope and live with hope Not just any kind of hope, but a thrilling hope is because Jesus came into our world. And that's what we celebrate today. We celebrate that Jesus came into the world and now we have hope for our lives. Well, this morning I'm gonna ask a couple of mothers to come up and to bring their babies. I wanna I want to talk a little bit about this. So I'm gonna ask for for Bethany to come up with MJ. And I'm gonna ask for Brianna to come with Alexis, who is home from the hospital after how many weeks was she in the hospital? How many months? Almost four months. months. And here she is. Let's give her a hand. Wow. I don't know if you can see her, but she is precious, precious. So we have Alexis, who's almost four months, and MJ, who is six months. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. Hi there. Okay, I'm afraid he's going to cry. <laughs> Alexis is precious. I don't know if you can see her, but my word. I went to see her when she was just probably uh, I don't know a couple of weeks old, I guess, and she had all kinds of tubes. Oh my word, it just it broke my heart. But I went, I came home and I told my wife, I'm just really impressed with Brianna cuz she's just so upbeat. And the nurse came in, and Brianna's asking questions. What about this? What about that? And she's just like, she's facing this difficult situation, and she took the bull by the horns, as they say, and now this baby girl is home. But, you know, I want to talk about this while you, we just kind of admire our, our newest babies here at Solid Rock. Because all the characters in the Christmas story, all of them were people of hope. Now, from the most widely recognized Christmas uh, characters, people that that we're we familiar with, like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and, and the wise men, you know, the people that we normally see in, in the uh, nativity scene, to the most obscure characters. There are some that you may not know of that were characters of the Christmas story, very important parts of the Christmas story, like Simeon was an old man. He was an old man and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So God allowed him to see Jesus before Simeon died. Uh, He, he, In fact, God had told him he would not die until he had seen the consolation of Israel. So he had hope as he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's hope. Another old person, and I say that because Bible calls her very old, was a prophet named Anna, who was also waiting for Jesus. And after she got to see Jesus, because Anna actually lived at the temple, and when she got to see the newborn baby, eight days old, when he was taken to the temple... Then afterward, she told everybody she came across about Jesus. Everybody who was waiting for the redemption of, of Jerusalem, the Bible says. She told them, well, I I found him. I met him. He's a hope of, of Israel. And so all these people from the most widely recognized to the most obscure characters, they were all people of hope. And they all had their hope placed squarely in a baby. Their hope was in a baby. And I, I think... And that's why I wanted to bring these babies up here because in a way that makes sense because nothing says hope to us like a newborn baby. Isn't that true? When you look at a newborn baby, you see hope. I can tell you that when I saw this baby almost four months ago with tubes through her and, and you know, she's just under this very careful uh, care, you know, in ICU or in, in NICU, um, when I saw her there, I had hope. When I saw her and I saw how well she was doing, considering. And the nurse came in and gave a good report. And I, I felt hope. But even when, when a baby is born completely healthy, uh, or even when they're born with, with some condition, we always hold out hope for them because nothing says hope to us like a newborn baby. When you see a baby, you see hope, don't you? When you see a baby, you see hope because their lives are before them. Lives that are waiting to be lived and waiting to be enjoyed, waiting for the adventures of life. And so I think a newborn baby is nothing if not hope. And so it makes sense that these people of hope had their hope in a baby. But let me just tell you that Jesus was not just a newborn baby filled with hope for himself or for his immediate family, but he was filled with hope for everyone else too. And that's why today we can celebrate Christmas, because he came to give us hope. Hey, can we give these babies a hand? God bless you, moms. We love you. We love your babies. And we'll keep praying for them. I want to take you to Hebrews 6. We're going to read a passage of Scripture from verse 13 to verse 20. It's my intention to be brief today, and uh, children are doing great. I know it's hard for children to sit there and and maybe don't quite understand everything we're we're saying, but we believe that they can still grasp God's Word, and certainly the Spirit of God that moves within us when we gather together uh, can touch their hearts and their lives. So I think it's good that they're here with us today. Hebrews 6.13 reads like this, When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, He swore by himself. He swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Now, let's uh, talk a little bit about what We've just read here, God not only gave Abraham a promise. The promise in verse 14 was, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Now the problem with that was that Abraham didn't have any children. He was an old man without any children whatsoever. He was probably about 75 years old. No children. And yet God says, I'm going to give you... Children, I'm going to give you many, many descendants. You won't be able to count the number of your descendants. And so that was a promise. All right. Well, so he started to wait on that promise and God gave him that promise, but he also confirmed it with an oath. So he gave him the promise and he confirmed it with an oath. Now, when someone takes an oath, like when someone in a court of law, they, they, Uh, Promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, or whether they maybe they take an oath of office, like the president or somebody in Congress or somebody who is taking the oath, uh, you know, for uh, military duty. When someone takes an oath of office, it's common for that oath to include them calling on someone greater than themselves as a witness. This is why we often hear the words at the end of the oath, So help me, God. And I, certainly for the, uh, many of these oaths, like for the president, it's not required, but uh, they all do that. And I think it's a good thing. So they, they take their oath of office and they add, So help me, God, because they're calling on someone greater than themselves as a witness. Now, there is no one greater than God. So when God gave Abraham a promise... He confirmed it with an oath, and since there's no one greater than him, then he swore to himself. That's what verse 13 says. He swore by himself, and that put an end to the argument. Don't you love it when you win an argument <laughs> and you just and you leave somebody like they don't know what to say. They're like, uh, "Well, I don't know, but I, I just know what I believe." And you know, they're like, "Okay, I won. I won." And we all know it, right? So. God is, is saying this puts an end to the argument, to all arguments. In other words, what God promised, He will fulfill. And that's called hope. When we know that God is going to fulfill what He has promised. Now here's what we learn from this passage of Scripture. First of all, we learned that hope helps us to wait patiently for the fulfillment of God's promises. We know He's going to do it because He, he swore an oath By himself. And so uh, hope, rather, helps us wait patiently for the fulfillment of God's promises. And the reason this is important is, is because there is often a gap between God's spoken promises and their fulfillment. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You know, that kind of makes it seem like he waited around a few hours or days, maybe weeks or months. And then God gave him what he had promised. The reality is that he waited years, years, because he was about 75 when God gave him that promise. And, uh, and then when he was 90, God renewed the promise. And Abraham's like, I've been waiting and you know, 15 years, and now you're telling me it's still coming? He waited another 10 years, 10 years before Abraham and his wife, Sarah, finally had their son. That's a big gap. And there's often a gap between God's spoken promises and their fulfillment. And um, that's where hope comes in. Because hope helps us to wait patiently like Abraham waited patiently. Now you may be in that gap right now where you're praying for something. You're believing for something. It's been a year. It's been two, three, four, five years. Maybe it's ten years. You've been praying and, and you believe that God... Has, has promised you to, to answer that prayer. You know, it's a biblical prayer. It's a good prayer. It's a legitimate prayer. It's a noble pr- prayer. But you haven't received the answer yet. You might be in that gap. You need hope. Because hope helps you to wait patiently for the fulfillment of God's promises. Hold on to hope. Don't give up hope just because it's been a few years. Hold on to hope. That's what it's for. To help you wait patiently. Now look at verse 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Okay, so God wants you to be encouraged. God wants you to take hold of the hope. And He does it by telling you, look, I, I, I've, I've sworn an oath by myself. God cannot tell a lie. God cannot lie. But And there's so much to talk about here, but I'm really going to limit myself to just a, another phrase or two. And I want you to look at the phrase that says, we who have fled. We who have fled take to take hold of the hope set before us. Now that phrase seems to be a reference to something that they had in the Old Testament called cities of refuge. In the Old Testament, the law allowed for the, for the Israelites to have cities of refuge. And what these were, these were cities that were set up as a place of refuge, as a place of protection for people who needed that protection, who needed protection from others who wanted to kill them. And here's the scenario the Bible um, uh, uh, describes for us, the, the law does, If you killed somebody accidentally, and the example that is given in the law is, if you're swinging an axe and and the head of the axe comes off and hits somebody in the head and it kills them, it's an accident, then possibly someone else could try to avenge that death, could come after you and say, you killed my brother, you killed my dad or whomever. And so the law allowed for you to go to a city of refuge and to, to hide out there, not so much to hide out there, but to, to be protected there, to find refuge. No one could get to you there. Nobody could could kill you or or avenge somebody else's death because it was an accidental death. Until the time that either you received a fair trial or the time that the high priest passed away. It was a, a kind of the details of the law. But that was a city of refuge. That was a city of protection from anyone who might come after you. Now... We haven't caused any accidental deaths. I hope not. But we do know that there is somebody out to get us. We do know that there is a devil in this world. We do know that Satan is out to get us. He is roaming around as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the city of refuge refuge for us is the hope of Christ. So here's here's the, the truth that I want you to take with you today. Hope is a refuge for us. Hope is a refuge for us, for us from darkness, from despair, from stress, from anxiety. Hope is what keeps us safe in our times of attack. Hope is what keeps us safe in our times of stress and anxiety and despair. When Satan comes to us and say, Nobody loves you. If you were dead, nobody would miss you. You're better off dead than alive. And and puts all kinds of depressing thoughts into our mind. What keeps us... Protected from that is hope. Hope is a refuge from those types of attacks. God wants you to take hold of this hope this Christmas. You could place your hope in various things and many people have done that. Many people place their hope in relationships or in their job or career, their physical abilities because they're strong. Maybe their their health or their attractiveness because they're good looking and they have friends. But those things are flimsy. Any hope they provide is false, but hope is a refuge. Let me finish with verses 19 and 20 now. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters an inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now look at verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. So hope is an anchor. You know what an anchor is, don't you? Hope is an anchor that provides strength and stability in the storms of life. Hope is an anchor that provides strength and stability in the storms of life. This is an anchor that grips the rocks underneath the water so that your ship is secure in the middle of a storm. This is an anchor that stabilizes our lives. When you feel like the wheels are coming off, I mean, it's like, what, what else could go wrong? You ever had one of those days or weeks or months or years or lifetimes, you feel like? What else could go wrong? And you feel like the wheels are coming off. Well, hope is an anchor for your soul because our souls need protection and our souls need strength and st- stability. When you go out and start your day at your job and you face uh, stress, and all jobs have stress, they all do. And you face a stress at your jobs, then you need strength and stability. You need something to stabilize your soul. And hope is that anchor. And what's interesting is this is not like a physical anchor because with this hope that we have in Christ, we're anchored not downward into the water, but anchored upward. It's interesting what the writer to the Hebrew says. He says, it's an anchor to the soul. That enters the inner sanctuary. He's talking about the Holy of Holies. And by extension talking about heaven. Because he says Jesus our forerunner has gone before us. We get to follow Jesus into heaven if we're faithful. But there's not an anchor that just. That will focus us or will anchor us downward. But it anchors us upward. And it's an anchor not for us to stand still. But it's an anchor for us to move forward. To progress. To grow. To advance. To enjoy life. To smile every morning because we know that God is on our side because we're following Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews calls him our forerunner. He's ahead of us. In the Old Testament, the priests were the only ones who could go into the Holy of Holies. Nobody else could follow them into the Holy of Holies. Well, Jesus has gone into the Holy of Holies as our forerunner, which means that we can follow him. So that's the hope that we have through Jesus. He came as a baby. Jesus came as a baby, and a baby is is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're weak. Babies are weak. They can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can't do anything for themselves, nothing whatsoever. Jesus came that way, and yet he was filled with hope for us today. So my question today is, where is your hope? What is it placed in? And I encourage you to place your hope in Jesus. Place your hope in Jesus for your salvation, first of all. You can't be saved outside of Jesus. There is no other name given to man under heaven by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. The songs we sang this morning, the songs of Christmas, they all speak about Jesus as a Savior. That's what the word Jesus means, Savior. So place your hope in Jesus for your salvation. Place your hope in Him for your peace. As you face life, and life is hard, place your hope in Him for your peace. Trust Him. Trust Him in the gap. Trust Him in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. Trust Him. Wait on Him. Because God is faithful. He's given us His word.